Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap, two NFL Draft analysts with NFL Draft Bible. Today's episode, we're getting really close to finishing up our positional previews. We are doing interior offensive line, offensive tackle is going to be the following week, and then we should be wrapping up very soon with quarterbacks. So we're getting into the hog mollies, if you will, the big men in the middle, the centers and the guards, the space movers, the big boys that you want to take to bolster your offensive line. Before we can get into discussing the various superlatives that we have prepared for today's show, I want to talk to you folks about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. March Madness is upon us, and Bet Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. And hell, these March Madness games are nuts right now. And I'm willing to bet, I don't know about you guys, if you made a bracket. I didn't make a bracket, but I got too many damn people complaining to me about Oral Roberts and all these schools ruining their brackets. If you're one of those people whose bracket got completely blown up because who picked Oral Roberts to win? If you're one of those people and you're pissed off that you lost out on your your bracket pool, go put some money down on the other rounds. Have some fun with the with your uh, you know with the tournament. Maybe your team's still in it. You want to bet on them? Go enjoy yourself. Find a way to make some money, and the way that you're going to do it is bet online. Head to their website at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent. Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, let's get into talking about some offensive linemen. I don't know why, but I always get excited when we have conversations about offensive linemen. Uh, it's one of the positions that I feel I'm the uh, the best at at evaluating. I was a former offensive lineman in high school. Obviously didn't play that after high school because I'm tiny right now. But guys, uh, the, the first superlative that we wanted to hit on is zone blockers. So Ryan, let's head to you first, as we always do. Who is your favorite zone blocker of this interior group? Well, I, th- I think the distinct, distinct distinction, I'm sorry, I can't speak. Um, the distinction is between inside and outside zone blockers. I took a player that I wouldn't necessarily say that he is the perfect fit for like the Kyle Shanahan outside zone, wide zone type of system. But I think that he does both systems very well. And I think that he could fit potentially into whether you are working inside or outside zone. I took Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame, who was for me for the longest time, the most underrated part of the Notre Dame offensive line. And since he got invited to the senior bowl and he's starting to get a little more publicity He's widely considered up there now with Liam Eikenberg as probably their best offensive line prospect. And for me, at six foot five, 338 pounds, former left tackle recruit, almost 34 inch arms, like he's got length that really helps him in reach situations, right? Like he can work outside shoulders, he can work half man relations, and he can get his 
good frame moving. While he's not like the most nimble player of all time because he is 340 pounds, he does a great job attacking leverage and and driving his feet through that leverage, which for me is what makes him such a dynamic inside zone player. But also Notre Dame does run outside zone with Kyron Williams. They had this past season. So he's shown capabilities in both of those areas while also getting up to the second level. For me, Aaron Banks is a very well-rounded, versatile interior offensive lineman who can fit into multiple systems. And I think that for a for a um, draft that is very good on the interior, he's one of the plug-and-play guys that, for me, day one, I can get starting potential out of a guy like Aaron Banks because I think that highly of him. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I definitely thought that he he could do those things. For me, I, I like his power a lot more. I think... I think I like him in a gaps, uh, you know, man up relationship a little bit more from my film watch of him. Obviously, you know, you being the resident Notre Dame fan and seeing him week in and week out, you have. Why different... is he the resident Notre Dame? Well, fan? y'all, y'all are the resident. I'm just talking. Between... That's I'm hurt. <laughs> Damn, Joe, you were on your phone half a second ago. Right? Yeah, get off I, your phone. I, things are happening. Dory Jackson just signed with the Giants. I got Nobody I got cares. business to do. Yeah, yeah, I care. You over I care. you overpaid for a bad cornerback. Congratulations. Uh, okay, what else is new? But yeah, no, Aaron Banks, good football player. People became put on after the Senior Bowl, impressive Senior Bowl, like Ryan said. For me, uh, this may be, you know, a, a hot topic that people are talking about. And for me, who I want running in his own scheme on the inside is Rayshon Slater. I think he's a, a, you know, we talk about the argument between tackle and guard. You know, why move good tackles to guard and. For me, they could be great guards, right? Why, why, why have an average tackle? I'm not saying Rayshon Slater would be an average tackle, but why would you want you know a, a good tackle when you can have a fantastic guard? And for me, if you're running any kind of zone running scheme, whether that's inside zone, outside zone, and you can get this guy in space from the inside, you you get rid of you mitigate the the concerns you have with him with length and the ability to to work on an island on the outside with those guys. By moving him inside, I think this guy is going to be a Pro Bowl level guard. It's not to say I, I think he's bad. I still love Rayshon Slater. I have first round grade on him. I'm very high on him. But if I think he's better projected for the inside, that's no slight to him. I, there, there's plenty of guards in the NFL that you know are super valuable. Let's talk about Quentin Nelson. Different different prototype, but Quentin Nelson is one of the most valuable offensive linemen in the NFL, and he plays guard. So I don't I don't there's there's a connotation with tackles moving inside you know in the nfl of you know you move the worst athletes the worst offensive linemen inside because you you know you have more cushion around them on either side of them and you leave the best offensive lineman on the outside but that's not always the case sometimes it just comes down to your size your 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 limited thresholds and uh just your athletic limitations whether that's physically or or athletically and for me rayshon slater i think he projects perfectly for a, a guard that can work in space on pools and and everything on the uh, on the inside i think that's where he's best i i think i think his best stuff too honestly is is like when you pop on the film like he had you know some good reps against chase young in, in you know in pass protection right? right which is what everybody's super excited the best place that he has though is on the back side of zone where he gets to climb up to the second level and he's either yep. you know attacking the inside shoulder and and getting his body positioned into the hole or he's completely washing guys, you know, out uh, entirely. For me, that's the best part of his game is he's shown the savviness from the backside. Because what, what most people don't understand is like when you're running inside zone, let's say to the right, 
you are assuming like, hey, I'm going to hit this right up, right, right, right off the right guard's butt, and I'm going to hit it up front side. But no, that's not where it hits. It usually hits backside. Usually it's backside A, backside B. So that 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 um, that ability from the backside to wash or to create leverage. That is a lot of times the most important blocks in a zone situation. And for me, that's what Rashad Slater does best. Well, and I'm fine and I'm fine with playing him at tackle. Let's let him go. I mean, at the end of the day, tackles are more valuable because they're put on an island. They're asked to play one-on-one a lot more than than interior guys. So I'm I'm fine with trying him out at tackle. But for me, I think he ends up being a better guard, and that's why I have him here, uh, you know, talking on the interior offensive lineman show as my my favorite zone blocking offensive lineman. Well, he's my he's my top he's my top rated interior lineman to be honest. I guess I just broke down that news. There, so maybe I'll throw, in, maybe, I'll throw in, maybe maybe I'll throw on a center at the end too. Then yeah, so do like, that. for me. I agree. Yeah, wait, I just realized that you completely spoiled the end of the show. It took me a second to realize. Uh, I know, I know. I, <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. We're not even ten minutes in, and you already spoiled it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, well, uh, it's it's a hot take, like like Alex said though, right? Like Rashawn Slater for a lot of people is a left tackle. For me, he's a guard. And he's a very he's a damn good guard. He's a first round level uh, offensive guard, but like which the, you don't see is... you don't see that. It, it, usually, if you're yeah. projecting someone to guard, you don't think about guards in the first round very often. So for him to be a first round graded guard for you, I mean that's saying a lot for him. Yeah, well, well I, I think. Go- Sorry, I was, was going to say, let's get to the next superlative before, uh, you know, someone spoils something else oh, okay. uh, before Alex spills his. So talking about these power blockers, the, the, you know, the bigger body guys, the guys that are um, just unloading on people. Who do we have as our favorite power blockers? Alex, I want to hear from you first this time. Yeah, let's just keep the train rolling on tackles moving inside. For me, it's Alex Leatherwood <laughs> from Alabama. Uh there's been a lot of discourse about Alex Leatherwood throughout the 2020 season about whether he's, you know, a first round tackle starting off in the year, like many, many thought, including myself. And you kind of see some of his his concerns uh, on the outside throughout the 2020 season. And then it begs the question, is this guy better inside? And for me, I think he is. This is just another situation where he struggles against wide rushers. And he had some good reps against Aziz Ojolari in that Georgia game, who who I think kind of fits that mold of guys he usually struggles with. But Alex Leatherwood struggles on the outside when you ask him to, to play on an island. You move him inside, you get rid of that concern. Just like I was saying with Rayshon Slater, you kind of you kind of get rid of that concern that you have with length. And for Leatherwood, it's just athleticism and the ability to mirror, you know, when put on an island on the outside. Alex Leatherwood, I think, is perfect for an inside. You saw him play there. I think some of his best tape was on the inside. Uh, you know, a couple seasons ago, he's a veteran. He's played all over the board, and I think that's just where he fits best from both a measurables and a skill set standpoint. I told myself I was going to be nice to Alex Leatherwood, but all I'll say about it is I have never understood the Alex Leatherwood thing. Yeah. I still don't understand the Alex Leatherwood thing. That was one of Alex's really bad takes in the it summer was. that he was a oh. first round offensive tackle. He's a day two um, interior guy now. That's what he is. That's like the most opposite direction that. So we could possibly go. It's, look, you watch Put him it. No, tight end. You, look, Put him tight end. I'm not. I'm not alone here, though. You watch the 2019 tape, and there's you can be. There's some things to be excited about. You saw some consistency. I mean, obviously, he had a better offensive line around him in some cases. He had Jedrick Wills kind of shining on the other side. Mm-hmm. I I thought he, you know, he was a kind of a clean player in 2019 tape. 2020, it wasn't so clean. You see some of the concerns rise. You see you see things that. You didn't see necessarily 
freshman year, Trevor Lawrence. You see the best quarterback we've seen out of, out of a freshman 2019 season, his sophomore year. He struggled. Just things happen over time, and that's why you play three to four years in college football before you're ready. For, you know, before you're eligible to play in the NFL, because it takes years to figure out who this guy is. And you know, for me, it's someone that I'm willing to admit I was higher on coming into the season than I am now. And that's it's just one of those things. As the the evaluation process has unfolded, I've I've kind of picked up more on his tendencies and more on his deficiencies. And this is where I'm at with him. Is he's a day two guard. Uh, that I'm okay with playing in a rotational role at tackle, you know, if injury happens. I think he's a versatile player that you can have as that maybe that sixth man, kind of like a basketball team that can just do it all for you. But I I, I like him better on the inside. Leatherwood is just the weirdest guy for me because, like, he hits all those thresholds. He has enough height. He has enough arm length. He looks like a good enough athlete at spurts, but you're just like, why are his feet stopping on contact? Why are outside rushers just – winning up the arc at such an easy rate. I mean, we saw at the senior bowl where like the senior bowl does not encapsulate everything as a prospect, but like, what's the deal, man? Like you are getting just run around. And I mean, guys, by guys that are like, like Quincy Roche is a good technician outside rusher, but he's not a speed guy. And it just looked like his feet were stuck in mud for whatever the reason. So like, I just, I've never gotten it with, with Leatherwood. I do have him graded inside though. So I definitely agree with that. I think I have like a mid to late third round grade on him. Like I think he's fine. I think he's okay. Like he'll I play in the NFL. I think I have an early third as a guard. That's what I. Early that's where third. I have him at. Like you said, his biggest struggles come when you know on the edge when faced with speed rushers, quote unquote. Quincy Roche. I don't know if you quite uh, tell t- call him a speed rusher, but you know he struggles with the outside shoulder, the outside uh, track, and you go, move him inside, you get rid of that concern athletically. I think he fits better inside, though he meets the the you know thresholds to be on the outside. I think he's a better a better guard moving forward. I think the title of this show has to be like "Be Okay with Moving Tackles to Guard" because <laughs> I have a I have a tackle that's going to move the guard, in my opinion, and that is uh, Jackson Carmen from Clemson. Mm. So. Jackson's been a tough guy for me to really pin down because, like, he's so like he had some good moments at left tackle for Clemson. He was like he just was carrying too much weight. So Carmen shows up to the Clemson pro day only about three hundred fifteen pounds or so after playing widely at like about three thirty, three hundred forty pounds at Clemson, and honestly, he was carrying some bad weight. So it's cool, it's awesome, you know. Oh, he shows up there, he's going to be a tackle. It looks like a great look, but then he measures in with sub 33 inch arms. And that just continues my opinion that like this guy's a guard because the other part of like besides not hitting the thresholds and measurements that I think people kind of don't really think about too much is temperament as a player. How does a player play the game? How does he win football games? For me, the best thing that Jackson Carmen does is he overwhelms guys playing inside zone. He underwhelms guys in drive block situations. This guy's a run blocking offensive lineman who struggles again with redirection in space. But for me, if he is able to really find his role inside and find his niche and get comfortable playing in tighter spaces, I think there's a lot of power through the hips. I think that he has a nice power profile overall. And I think he's a starting level guard. I have a second round grade of him as an interior player. But I don't think that he is a offensive tackle that I'm worth betting. Yeah, on. that you know, we're talking about people, you know, offensive tackles that seem to struggle on their tape, you know, on the outside track. 
And this is just another example of that with Jackson Carmen. I struggle with him a little bit more. I still have him graded out as a tackle, but I have him as a developmental tackle, uh, like you, you're talking about in that that man relationship. I think he can do really well, especially inside. So Jackson Carmen, he is a struggling, you know, a confusing evaluation. He's kind of got lost in the mix of this tackle class overall interior offensive line i know we're talking about here but you know most people thinking of him as a tackle he's been kind of the the one guy out of that top nine or ten guys that we we see in the top two rounds has kind of gotten lost throughout the 2020 season maybe we should have done a third lineman show that was interior tackles maybe that way we could yeah we could hit on all these guys (laughs) no no seriously though that is a super deep group in this year's class those guys that can do it all i really do think so it it is weird and i feel like we don't (laughs) typically have this many guys that are probably going to end up getting moved inside and there's going to be guys that still end up playing tackle we don't know for a guarantee it's going to be based on how Whoever drafts him values him. Where do they value him? As a guard or as a tackle? So we've got a, another uh, few more superlatives that we're going to get to before we do. I want to talk to you about our new sponsor, which is Sunday Scaries. Here's something that you didn't know about me, folks. I am dominating 2021 so far. And as soon as 2020 ended, I took a good look in the rearview mirror and said, F you to 2020. 2021 for me is all about self-care and love, which means I'm focusing on being happy and feeling relaxed. Mental clarity is the first step to my better life, which is why I've been taking down Sunday Scaries CBD gummy bears like candy. When you, sorry, when my mind starts racing or I need to decompress, I simply pop two gummies and in 20 minutes, I am in max relax mode and when you've got a lot of stuff on your plate you need some take to take some time to relax and there's no risk to buy the company offers a 100% lifetime money back guarantee if the product's not for you that's okay you'll get your money back Sunday scaries is the stress is in the stress relieving relieving business not the stress causing business I got you 25% off to prove it visit sundayscaries.com and use promo code uh, Roberts for your discount. That's promo code Roberts for 25. I wonder if that was for, I don't, I got to check if that's the right code or not, but try using that code uh, for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're effing amazing and you won't regret joining their squad. Apparently Ryan is important enough that he is the promo yeah, code. Yeah, you got your own promo code, Ryan. <laughs> I don't, I mean, this, this I don't, is my this is my podcast. Okay. So All right. Sense. You know what? I don't <laughs> I don't like that energy there, Ryan. I don't know if I'm going to finish the show after that comment. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get to the next superlative. And I think this one fits perfectly for linemen. I don't know if we can do this for every position group, like I said last week. But when we're talking interior guys, hell yes, we're doing this. A guy that you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. A guy that if you were walking down a spot in town where you weren't supposed to be and it's just you and him, you know you're getting your ass kicked. Ryan, who is your uh, big, scary, mean MF for this interior group? Trey Smith, offensive guard from the University of Tennessee. I know just kind of with our conversation before the show that Alex is going to have a little bit of a differing opinion on Trey Smith. But for me, we're talking about the best best tape at times in the in the class at offensive guard, like at times the highlights, like the best reps 
Trey Smith is it, man. Like he has some some reps where he absolutely just overwhelms people. And we're talking about a mountain of a man at six foot three, three hundred thirty plus pounds. Has played tackle at University of Tennessee as a sophomore, but his best reps have always been inside a guard. And I think that there is still a lot of untapped potential. He's a guy that has dealt with recurring issues with blood clots early on in his career. But when he puts it all together, he is a special interior player for me. Like, honestly, I I still believe in this kid. If everything checks out and he's able to have a full and healthy career, I think that this kid could be the best offensive guard down the road because I truly do believe in the talent that he has. The question marks are just going to be, can we put it on a consistent basis? Because I really do think that the sophomore, um, sorry, the sophomore year film where he had to, he was basically not practicing all year, dealing with the recurring issues, and then he was not practicing a lot going into his junior year as well. Like, it, it hurt his development a little bit. And then playing on a Tennessee team, which has been, you know, just kind of a very up-and-down program. Over, well, not even up, just yeah, a down program down. over the last few years. <laughs> yes, just straight down um, in recent seasons, obviously, uh, you know, with everything that's been going on. I think that the development is not where it needed to be for a guy like Trey Smith. A lot of those same ways that we talk about some of these Florida State guys coming out this year, like they just haven't been coached up well enough, in my opinion. But I think that when Trey Smith puts it all together, he might be the most dominating fixture in this entire class. And he is not a guy that I would want to play in a phone booth inside when he has everything working because this guy has some of those overwhelming reps on tape which is why i threw him into the don't want to meet him in a dark alley because he's a mean guy yeah you talked about how my beliefs are different than yours uh regarding trey smith here and i'll get more into that later at a different superlative here but Look, he fits his category. If there's one thing I can say about Trey Smith positively and be completely confident is, and this guy's violent. He's got all the power in the world. So I can't argue with him being in this superlative. I'll give more thoughts here in a little bit about Trey Smith for me. But I forgot. It's my turn. Okay, Ben Cleveland, Georgia. Yes, it is your turn, Alex. (laughs) Sorry, I I forgot. I got lost. I thought you'd be excited to talk about him because you got the layout. You picked the most easiest guy, and before Ryan could put anything down, this is also a guy that you strangely have a crush on. It seems also physically related when I talk about this crush. Post the picture. When we post (laughs) out this link, I expect the picture, the picture that we always post. Of Ben Cleveland. he Look, if you've watched Game of Thrones, we've said it before. He's the mountain. And I don't want to see the mountain. We saw what the mountain does in Duel or whatever with that one guy. I can't remember the names of the characters in that show. But, yeah, I don't want to face Ben Cleveland in an alley, in a dark alley. Ben Cleveland's a violent man, and his play plays like that, too. Downhill, he's a, he's a violent interior offensive lineman. He's a little stiff in the hips. You don't want to move in laterally. This is the last guy you want working in a zone scheme. But if you're playing a gap man power run scheme, something a la Tennessee Titans or what I guess the Atlanta Falcons are probably going to start moving towards with the Arthur Smith hire from Tennessee, that's that's where that's where you're going to get the best out of him. And golly, that that man, he runs a 4.85 too. Did you the pro day? It's not okay, real. it's a it's pro not, day. It's but he as runs fast as who? Who is the one corner that he ran um, almost as fast as, or like not far off from? He ran. Uh, he ran like two ticks slower than Paris Ford. For the, no, there yeah. was. A, there was. Can we talk about Paris there, Ford. There was a Georgia so DB too? that uh, so their bad. time was disturbingly slow. Oh, Richard LeCount. Richard LeCount. Yeah, Ben Ben Cleveland, Richard LeCount, safety. 
Richard LeCount is barely faster safety, than this man. And this guy ben is Ben Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, safety Ben Cleveland, 6'6", 350 pounds, and he's running a 4.85 with that amount of power and that. Man, that rocked up. Man, I'm just saying that guy. Whoa. No, Tony, there's no, a literal is, crush here that you have for this no, man. No, no, no. Don't get it carried away. <laughs> Let's just look at it as it is. This guy is humongous. He's muscular, and look, the category is don't talking about his body a lot. <laughs> I can't win. I don't want to meet Ben Cleveland in a dark alley. I think you do. <laughs> I think you wish you did. <laughs> no, y'all are taking this extra uh, dark, uh, extra uh, dark to that alley. All right, read the next ad. We're gonna get to yeah. It's your Alex needs a phone break. All right, we're gonna get to uh, day three upside. Before we do, I want to talk to you about eBay sneakers. So I've been getting a lot into uh, sneakers and shoes lately, and just streetwear in general. So it, it's so fun to talk about eBay sneakers because they have the best marketplace out there if you're looking for quality good stuff and heck when i've been browsing around i haven't made any purchases yet but i love to look and i have to say their interface is amazing whether it's rare dead stock or the latest release find the exact shoe that you're looking for as the original sneaker marketplace ebay is the place to go to cop the pair that you've been eyeing with ebay's authenticity guarantee your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box logo stitching and dozens of other inspection points each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return process also for sneaker sellers out there ebay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers 100 dollars or more making it free to sell or flip your collection Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. All right, guys, we've got two more. No, we've got three more superlatives that we have to hit. Wow, it's a slow show today. So day three upside, some sleepers, if you will, a guy that you think could turn into a really good starter potentially uh, or maybe just a quality player for an NFL roster. Ryan, who is your day three upside player? I got Trey Hill from Georgia. Um, this one was a little tough for me, to be honest. But for me, I watched the Georgia Bulldogs and I just watched Trey Hill's body type and he was listed at about six foot four, 330 pounds. I think he went to the, the uh, pro day and weighed in like 310, 315. So like he lost a substantial amount of weight. For me, he's not a center. Like I watch him and I'm just like, it's not like, why is he playing center? He's got a lot of length for the position. He was a heavier center. Like, that's not like the stylistic approach you want at that position. At guard, though, I think that he's got a little bit of potential. I don't think that he's the most powerful guy in the world, which is a little odd for his body type and his style. But I think that he's a pretty good athlete. I think that in a, his own scheme, I think that he can move a little bit. I think that he does some good stuff. I don't think that he's the power guy that you would anticipate for a guy of his size, of his stature. But I, th I think there's some, I think there's some potential there for Trey Hill. I don't, I'm not going to start him anytime soon. But for me, a guy that you you draft mid to late day three and you stash on your roster and you let him start developing a guard, I, I think that there's some potential there with some size, some length, and some athleticism. That's a little bit. Untapped. See, I think he's heavy footed. That's that's I think that's mm. where we differ. So, 
Playing playing at playing at three thirty. Yeah, though. he waited well, at three fifteen. Well, we'll see. We'll like, see how that more... translates. But for me, you know, you watch his tape, and I just don't see too many redeeming traits. I'm a big Georgia guy, but Trey Hill's not one of those guys that I'm going to carry with me to the NFL and be too excited about. I, you said you're not overwhelmed from his power profile, and I just don't think he's a good mover. I just don't know what you really do. I don't know how what scheme he fits best for. He's just kind of a guy. And uh, for me, I, uh, I I can't get by on that one, and that's fine. You just saw it differently than me, and I know, you know, he lost some weight, so maybe we will see a better, uh, you know, better athleticism from him moving forward. You know, shedding some of that bad weight that he has. I just for me, it's just going to be someone that I would pass on. You know, maybe a seventh round flyer, but this isn't someone I'm excited about on day three necessarily. He just for me, I I th- I thought he was a better blocker than I mean I thought I, I thought he was a better athlete than that. Like I don't know, even even when he was a little overweight at center, like I I thought I saw some good movement skills. That's just kind of why. I see yeah, no, I mean shoot, I'm rooting for him big time, um, and we'll see. I think that's probably why he shed some weight. You know, he's probably going to make a transition to guard, like you talked about. Snaps were always an issue for him, as we talked about before the show at Georgia. He's always had trouble with consistency there. Uh, so a move to guard, shed a little bit away, improve on the athleticism. I think he's got a decent power profile. I think that's more uh, more appealing as of right now, as of his 2020 tape, than his than his athleticism for me personally. So we'll see where that takes him. Obviously, he's trying to revitalize his body, but for me, it's it's someone that's kind of been a late bloomer in the draft process, and that's Kendrick Green out of Illinois. Uh, you talk about athleticism and being excited about someone that can move at the center position is Kendrick Green. Still green to the position. Someone that hasn't – sorry, pun is not intended there. <laughs> someone that has uh, made a transition from the defensive side of the football as a defensive tackle to the offensive side. You see some of that lack of nuance, um, you know, as a framer especially. But the athleticism – and how well he's played just so quickly is just so appealing for me. I don't think that someone that goes on day two, despite you know the great testing that he's put up recently uh, at the Illinois Pro Day, going along with some of this this rise that we've seen on draft Twitter with Kendrick Green and watching his film. I think he's a day three guy, and this, but this, you know, the athleticism at the end of the day, you can work out the kinks from a technical standpoint. That's something that he's going to continue to have to build on for the next couple of years as he's still making that transition it's not a seamless transition to move from defense to offense as you as you could probably figure so uh, I think there's a couple years left before you can really get excited about him as a starter but you play him in San Francisco or Minnesota one of these zone heavy running schemes Kendrick Green's an exciting prospect with his athleticism He's a little green. Alex. He's a little he's green. A little he is. He's a little green. He's a little new to the position but uh you work some of those kinks out and I'm I'm happy with Kendrick Green. Joe? All right, sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> I, I'm just, you I just job. zoned out. I, job. Uh, well, the people that I now work with are all on the West Coast time, so I'm constantly getting bombarded with things. But <laughs> let's get to don't get it. Speaking of me not getting it, uh, who are some prospects that you don't understand the whole hype for? Ryan, uh, who is your – this one's kind of shocking to me because I feel like everybody's so positive about him. Why, why don't you get Landon Dickerson? It's not like – all right, so let's start here. All right, Landon Dickerson, background real quick. Florida State transfer who started early on in his Alabama career in 2019 at right guard, transitioned to center halfway through 2019, end the year there, taking over Chris Owens, 
And now he started his full year at center and had a good year at center for Alabama for the national champion, 15 and 0, whatever the hell they ended up with. So, or 14 and 0, I forget how many games they played. Anyway, so Landon Dickerson is a very solid football player. I would even call him a good football player in a gap power system where you're not asking him to play outside of his frame too much. The problem to start out with is just from his athletic profile, I don't think he's very athletic. I don't think zone teams are going to love him too much. I think that he's a little clunky work at the second level. If you're working him completely all the time in a phone booth, either center or guard, I'm good, man. Like this dude can dominate some guys. Honestly, he was, for me, another candidate for the best power system interior player. Like he can do that stuff and he does it very well. The problem there is I think that he is not scheme versatile. I think he is not the best athlete of all time. And like, let's be honest here. Like everybody talks about medical rechecks. Let's see how guys are doing. Landon Dickerson has never finished a season in college football. Not a single season did he finish the year healthy. That's something, man. And at that point, it's not like, wow, let's check that that ACL Terry had a couple years ago to make sure long-term it's good. Like, this guy just has recurring, nagging injuries and serious injuries that are presenting him, preventing him from playing full season. So it's not like the medical rechecks are going to tell you like, oh, yeah, that one ACL Terry had that one time is good. Like this guy just can't stay on the field, coupled with him being a little limited athletically and not being the most scheme versatile interior offense lineman. For me, he's a day two starting center potentially, but that's going to get bumped a little bit just based upon the medicals for me because I don't, I can't guarantee that he's going to play football a whole year. For yeah, that, so that's, I, that's a good point. No, you know, because it has gotten out of control. I think there's some people that have him as this first round prospect nowadays and mm. you combine a little bit of limitations. I'm, I, I like this tape. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, good. but yeah, medicals, you have to, you have to put into account medicals. And I know we, you know, we as, you know, media don't have all the availability that NFL teams do to those medicals, but you have to incorporate it some some way, somehow. And that honestly leads right into mine. I don't get it with Trey Smith. You know, we kind of alluded to it earlier. Look, you have power. You have some inconsistent, but when on some of the best interior offensive line tape, but if I'm taking power and some of you know some some really good tape at times, you said the word the phrase at times because it is it's very inconsistent, inconsistent hand placement, inconsistent move or footwork. I don't love his feet. I think he's very stiff. And then you combine that with the medicals. Let's talk about the medicals and serious medical you know checks have to have to go on with Trey Smith and those blood clots. Is this something that's gonna prohibit him from you know fulfilling his potential and playing a full rookie contract and and thereafter I don't know and you there's just too many things that that catch my eye negatively for Trey Smith from on and off the field that I he's someone that if I was on an NFL team I would suggest he's off the board and that's going to be the case for a lot of NFL teams he's off the board for blood clots for blood clots and you pair that with some tape that I it's just you you keep wanting him take that next step and he's He's just been him. He's just he hasn't he hasn't done anything since that 2019 tape that everyone talks about that makes you think this guy's going to continue to get better and better. That's going to be the case for some teams, whether you want to believe it or not. There's a team that's going to take him in the second or third round, and that's probably where he's going to end up going. But there's going to be just as many teams that have a day two grade on him that are going to have him off their board and say we just we don't know we're not going to take him. 
I just got that's that's just where he's at as a as a prospect. That's what when you deal with blood, like it's one thing if you got ACLs and you have these injuries that you see in the NFL all the time, but the only athlete I can think of that you know pop you know popular athlete that's had blood blood clot issues like this is Chris Bosh, and his career was ended, you know, with blood clots, right, just like that. That's fair. And so there's so there's so much to to the blood clots and and just all of that, the issues that you deal with medically there that's not been involved in sports. You don't you don't have like something to base it off of outside of Chris Bosh, and Chris Bosh had to stop playing. Because of blood clots. It's, it's scary. scary. Yeah, it's it's something that you have it to is. put into account. And for me, like I said, someone's going to value his tape and his upside and his power profile as a second or third round prospect. And for me, I I would be on the side that says, I don't think I can invest that much draft capital in someone that I don't know how long he could play. It, you know, it's much of, the, much of the conversation we had about Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips is the best defensive end edge rusher in this class from a from a tape perspective from an arsenal from a prototype standpoint but if he's had too many concussions i just i can't trust that he can get past year two and if if i i don't know how to how i'm going to invest a top 50 pick in somebody that i i just don't know medically can get past year two and you know i love jalen phillips trey smith has some fun tape at times I just they would be those are the kind of players that for me unfortunately as much promise and as much excitement as they can be as prospects they might just be off my board as a as an NFL front office. Well, the good news is I'm Alex, not an NFL front office. All right, let's let's wrap up with our top prospects here, and of course Ryan spoils his as we try to keep this uh, a little bit of a guessing game, but uh, Alex, because we already know Ryan's Alex, who is your top prospect? Yeah. We talked about Rayshon Slider quite a bit. And though I have him as an interior guy, he's not my top interior offensive lineman. I think he's a first round prospect. I can understand taking a top 20 pick on him for sure. But who I like better is Elijah Vera Tucker. Both. But yeah, Whoa. I'm a big, big, big Elijah Vera Tucker fan. I think, you know, everyone's so enamored with Rayshon Slater and his his tackle tape against Chase Young, but I liked a lot of what, you know, you saw some some hit and miss on, on that tape. Elijah Vera Tucker versus Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be a top five pick, just like Chase Young was. He's going to be that kind of blue chip prospect for a lot of people. And Elijah Vera Tucker showed a lot of the same promise Rayshon Slater did the year before. You pair that, I, I look, I think Elijah Vera Tucker had the better tackle tape over Rayshon Slater. And I think from a physical standpoint, Elijah Vera Tucker fits better at guard in some schemes. For me, I'm just I just love this tape. He's clean. I think he, you know, he had the size, he had the athleticism, he had the power. There's really nothing missing from his game. And I thought he was just a clean, clean prospect. To uh to you know redeem myself or give it up that Rashawn Slater's my top ranked guard, I will throw out, <clears throat> if I may. I actually have a kind of a, a differing opinion on my top center on the board. It's the same person I had in the summer. That's Josh Myers from Ohio State, which I know some people are going to find very interesting, incorrect, I guess some people <laughs> throw out there. Because a lot of people love Creed Humphrey and, you know, some of the, you know, I, some people are jumping on the Quinn Miners bandwagon completely, which, like, I understand. I get it. I get it, with, especially with Creed Humphrey. I understand it. But I think Josh Myers, again, 
it might not be a finished product yet, but I think he has some of the best tape at its peaks, and I, I really do like him a bunch. And I think that it just continues to highlight how strong of an interior offensive line class this is, because for me, I, I think that's just one of the strengths of the 2021 NFL draft class. No, I, I completely agree, but I'm still Creed Humphrey at center guy. I've, I was that over the summer. I know we differed there. You were Josh Myers. I was Creed Humphrey. I think I'm going to stay there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think Josh Myers is probably what a third rounder, third round pick when it's Ooh, all said and done. That's a big swing. I, I might say, I don't know. I might, I might, I might say second. I, I think he's got a shot to go in the second. Creed Humphrey would probably go a little higher. Yeah, I, I think because sure. he's just been kind of like the guy for a little bit. And he had a great testing day, which was surprising to me because like my biggest thing with Creed Humphrey has always been like. If you're playing inside your frame, he gets his hand on the inside of you. He was a great wrestler. He's got that wrestling background. He's got great hands. He plays with leverage, like all those good things. I don't I, I don't think he plays to the athlete that he tested as. And I I mean, I still have yet to see him work to the second level ever. Like he just doesn't work to the second level. It's the weirdest thing in the world. He plays so c- controlled, so balanced and everything. But I just feel like there is a lack of aggressiveness sometimes when there needs to be. But I, I definitely do understand why people like him a bunch. Just for me, I, I like I think I like the highs a little more of Josh Myers, but I do think that Creed Humphreys may be a little more stable and consistent right now. All right, folks. Well, on that note, after providing you with a lot of information on this interior offensive line group, that is going to be it for today's episode. We're going to be doing tackles next week, so stay tuned for that. We'll also pump out. We should be getting two interviews out this week, so stay tuned for that. We've got a ton that are waiting in the wings so if you're looking to listen to some prospect interviews make sure you listen to those and stay up to date by subscribing and hit and leaving us a five star review if you enjoy listening follow us on social media at nfl prospects pod at rising draft at alex skills trap at joe de Leon, also at believe podcast on twitter and instagram and head to believe.com to find our show as well as hundreds of other amazing shows Thank you folks for tuning in. Talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.